Russia. So. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> okay. Uh, go. Yeah. Okay, Ian McIntosh, thanks for coming on my show, man. Yeah, buddy, pleasure Great. to be here. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen you. Yeah, it's I good have. to chat. I was like, when you hit me up on Instagram the other day, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm stoked. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I appreciate you coming on, man. It's really cool. Um, I think we're having a pretty good chat for the next hour or so. Um, we were just talking a bit, just kind of spitballing before we started, and uh, you were just quick. Um, you're talking about. We, I just asked you if you're still living in Pemberton. What's up? So, what's been going on recently in your life in Pemberton? You were saying you might have a, you have a kid on the way and dad life's going good or what yeah i mean i'm i'm a dad my yeah. my daughter is getting close to two years old cool and uh we've got another baby due in just over a month congrats man so yeah life is busy balancing <laughs> yeah. that with career and yeah. everything else but uh it's been awesome man like yeah. you know it's it's a really incredible experience all the cliches are are true with right. with being a parent and being a dad you know it's 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 so awesome so. and so your career just sorry i skipped that yeah. your career your uh professional skier is yes. that what you call yourself that's what everybody calls you that's what that's, you, yeah i mean that's what i do that's what you do right yeah. yeah no side gigs no side gigs yeah. right now uh and you've been i mean you've been doing this i used we talked a long time ago um about where you're from and kind of how you grew up and stuff and i remember i think i recall you saying you're dad was like your family's been into skiing forever your dad's a guide or something or was it, my dad know. did do his guides course way back in okay. the early days um yeah i grew up in Invermere, bc and that was kind of like you know cmh bugaboos and and rk heli skiing purcell heli skiing were kind of like the first heli ski operations in the world and my dad was good friends with all the owners of those operations cool. and and kind of a, a part of the whole getting going um you know they they were using planes at first and landing on the glaciers really and then they just have tow ropes they'd throw out of the ski plane the ski plane would go up i mean mellow terrain. sure yeah super mellow <laughs> glacier you know yeah. and like tow everyone up like a snowmobile would really and then they'd ski down the plane would come back down and do it again dude the arms yeah yeah God, that's a different game but then they were like wait well, hey, maybe we should use helicopters so anyway yeah okay. my dad was a part of that early on and yeah. and yeah my family my mom was a level three ski instructor and oh, cool. family's just huge skiing family yeah that's dope man and so yeah i mean it's in your it's in your veins it's in your blood right yeah, totally. yeah. uh and you started skiing i guess when you were like what zero yeah i mean like before i was two before yeah. i can remember so yeah. yeah i often say i can ski better than i can walk usually <laughs> yeah yeah i mean <laughs> especially if there's been a couple of these <laughs> yeah right those skis and the boots keep you up right totally I think that's why people can dance so well in ski boots like hoji and those guys cause yeah, yeah stay in them all day <laughs> yeah um yeah I, I i guess like i've been skiing since i was like five years old but you know i grew up in a different different part of our country but um when you were growing up, I mean, I don't want to get into big history that's in here, but you started skiing when you were like two, you said, but then when did you, I mean, you obviously just skied local hills and just kind of did your thing, but when did you start like competing? How old were you when you were competing? Did you, you did the big mountain tour, right? Yeah, I yeah. did. Um, for me, it was, um, you know, as a teenager, I wanted to be a ski guide right. and that oh, was, okay. that was the route I was going to go down. And then, you know, I had a couple cousins living in Fernie that, um, were, you know, getting shots in powder magazine and whatever cool. else. And, you know, they were kind of a big influence on me. And, you know, at that time I was huge into ski movies and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and it was just kind of a, a natural thing. Um, somewhere along the way, you know, I got convinced to move to Whistler. 
mm-hmm. by Pierre-Yves LeBlanc and Ryan Oakton. Oh, right, and, those guys, right. Yeah, yeah. Old I met, them, met those guys in – well, I knew Oakton from when I was a kid ski racing, but yeah. – um, I met those guys all in New Zealand one summer oh, and cool. I was just down there skiing, having a good time. You and Oakton are like the biggest skiers I've probably ever met. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. McNutt is actually like our oh, size yeah, as well. Tall. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. But, um, yeah, anyway, those guys convinced me to move to Whistler and, and they're like, dude, you could probably like make it as a pro skier if you lived here. And so I gave it a go. I was like, Hey, why not? You know, and when you was don't... that? Like before the 2000, like it was 2001 is when I moved oh, here. Right, okay, cool. Yeah. Sweet. And, uh, yeah, you know, I was like, you only live once. So, and then, yeah, yeah sure. did did the Free Ski World Tour, you know, first couple of years, not a lot of success. There was moments of glory. Right, yeah. Uh, like moments of, of like, oh, okay, you can hang, but, yeah. you know, you just got to like stay on your feet and sure. maybe. And then, yeah, you know, um, 2004, I got second overall on the tour. Dope. Uh, 2005, third overall on the tour, you know, won some awards, the Sick Bird Award that was going on that year. Yeah, right. And, that was, a, a Sick Bird was only in. Was that where that was only at one resort, right? One competition? No, they would do it. They they started giving it out at every comp. Okay, and right. so you had an opportunity to win it at every comp. Right. And, but yeah, anyway, that led down the path of filming with TGR and all these other film production sure. companies I've worked with. And here we you, are. You've been with TGR like the, the whole time, right? Yeah. Since like the, my professional ski career started in 2006. Yeah. So like, yeah, even though I was doing well on the world tour, I wasn't making any money. Right. I was like, I need to podium so that I can buy a plane ticket and get to the next comp. You know, <laughs> like, get home? and I was living at a free, living in a closet here in yeah. in Whistler at the time. But um, yeah, I started getting paid um, in 2006, and that was like the year I filmed with TGR. Cool. And yeah, I've been with those guys ever since. Filmed with a bunch of other companies too, but still mm-hmm. filming with TGR. Still filming with TGR this year. Yeah, dope. 15 years later, you Man. know. So it's the cool, the, the longevity of some people's careers is cool to watch. Like there's lots of guys in Whistler that I know just from working for Whistler Black and meeting you guys back then that you're just some guy that just can, can hang for a long time. Some people come and go. Yeah, for sure. But like yourself and Adam and even Douglas, I mean, Douglas has been hanging for, I mean, the guy's still doing cool shit, right? And he's Did like, a D he's spin like, this year. like 70 or something right now? Yeah, he's like, <laughs> so, he's, so, I think, sorry, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> I think he might be 70. He did a 70 year old D spin this <laughs> year. Like, I, it's, <laughs> he looks fantastic yeah. for a 70 year old. But, but. I, but my thinking is, is and, we're, and sorry, I don't want to bring this up a ton, but like, I'm going to bring it up, but it feels like as a big guy, like it seems like the small guys had a little more longevity. Yeah. But as a big guy, um, if you stay in it, like you just have that stomping power and the, just like that power to get through things, right? Like it's less bounce, you know? Yeah. You, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I've thought about this over the years of like, how am I the one that's still going out of so many, so much talent out there right. when really I'm not doing anything fancy. You right. know, I, um, you know, before the world tour, I used to do flips and stuff off cliffs, but right. I got into the world tour and at the time Hugo Harrison was winning everything. And I was like, I got to ski like that. All guy. the stomping, no back slaps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, I got to ski like that guy. And I, it kind of changed my skiing in right. a lot of ways. Um, probably for the best though, at the end of the day, because, um, you know, here I am, but right. I've, I've thought about it and I think it's just because like, you know, I'm not, I'm not fancy. And so I, right. I keep it simple, but you know, it's fast, aggressive, yeah. stomping kind of skiing. It and seems I, like, like you, it seems like a metal song. Like yeah, ski, like oh, like you have some. Ep- you had one uh, segment in TGR. That, I can't remember the song is, but it's a fucking epic song. And it just looks like it just gets you going. There was a there was a Richard Perman uh, epi- uh, segment that I saw with a great song too. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, there's you just see people like this the way they can just the mountains own you, but the way you just kind of own the mountain sometimes as a big guy, it looks good. Oh yeah, thanks. I mean, yeah, yeah I don't know what it, you know. I think there's a lot of factors. I think in this industry or, or many industries, there's, there's luck, there's skill, sure. there's timing. There's a lot of things going on, right? Yeah. It's like, 
you know, I was fortunate to line myself up with some really good sponsors that are keen to stick with me. You know, there's all, there's so many different factors. Like, you know, if you think just being a good skier is all you need to do in this business, you're so wrong. And that goes for so many other businesses too, not just skiing. Right. Um, but you know, here I am so many years later and it's still going. I I think a big factor too is TGR is very family, you know, like you get in with TGR and as long as you're willing to step up and and keep throwing down as hard as you can they're Mm going to continue to film you and and stick with you because it's it's a family vibe so yeah there's a there's so many things that uh contribute to the fact that i'm still doing it and you know my i think you know one of the big things too is my willingness to kind of evolve as a skier and say you're willing to do things and like just always be around and put the effort out to get stuff done totally and like you know realizing that like it's you know it's not the company that you're sponsored by it's the people that work for the company right. that you're sponsored by and yeah. working with those people and you know all these all these sorts of things you know i i, I went you know this year i got back into the helis because all the heli ski lodges were empty because right. of the pandemic so <laughs> yeah. i was like i'm going to take advantage but you know up until that i've been doing several years of just foot powered stuff sure trying to switch it up and yeah, just kind of always trying to evolve a little bit and do stuff to keep myself inspired. Yeah. But also to kind of keep everyone that supports me uh, inspired to keep doing that. So yeah, it's cool. And I think there's things like I, you, t- you mentioned timing before. And I mean, I don't my history in skiing as far as the industry goes, is probably around 2007 when I started working for in the PR team for Whistler Black. I met you guys and I feel like there was a, there was a day there. There was like a few years. That was the day it was like, yeah, things were popping off and there was money coming in. And if you were in it at the right time and your career was, getting up there as long as you're willing to hang and keep doing stuff and you're a bit of a mentor now i'd imagine totally so your 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 role has probably changed from having to huck things and do crazy shit which you still i don't just huck like haphazardly but like you're i mean this thing with lucy did a while ago i'd imagine there's like a mentorship thing i mean with her because she's pretty badass but um you're there as like you know you're also bringing up the younger people too right they look totally like you. You, you, there's there's so many different facets to it for sure mm-hmm. and and you know like one of my sponsors is the north face and right. they're they have like a huge team it's very diverse there's a lot of young people they yeah. really rely on us older team members to be yeah. mentors to sure. the younger people and if you can take on that role um then Pretty they're golden. stoked you yeah. know um yeah so like i say you know there's there's so many different reasons and you know we could spend the whole hour probably chatting about like how you do you stay in a business like this for as long as i have but really at the end of the day it just comes down to lock timing um you know and and you know the willingness to keep going out there and evolving a little bit and, and doing new things and yeah these days you know it's like i've you know my body isn't in the shape it once was as right. far as like I've you've had, had it lot. out of shape too and like broken and stuff a few yeah times. that's what i mean you know like i'm i've got arthritis in my right. ankle you know i've got a metal rod Getting my old, femur man. you know like my back is so you know doing more ski mountaineering objectives bigger sure. lines maybe maybe not hawking as huge a cliffs but still finding ways to stay sure. relative yeah um and yeah and all the while you know realizing that you know i'm not going to do this forever so no you know. and you were talking about earlier but so we talked about your your family stuff so I mean, you got a, you got a kid now. You have one on the way, and you're still skiing as much as you can. Uh, but then there's that balance. You're like, okay, now what's where do I put my effort? You got yeah. to keep and it's divided, obviously now. Yeah. Um, but dad life. I mean. Yeah, I find you know it, it used to be. Um, what I do is a very selfish thing. <laughs> it is at start at the start. It is you know for sure. Well, and it and it continues to be. As much as I, I don't think of myself as a selfish person, right. uh, it is a selfish endeavor. And, uh, sure. you know, realizing that is like half the battle. Sure, yeah. But, you know, so 
when I'm out working, filming ski movies and whatever else, you know, there there's that's the yin and then the yang is when I come home. Right. And it used to be I come home and I just I ski every day. Yeah, it's all still. You, yeah. You know, it's like there's there's no end to the I just am constantly always right. in the mountains doing it. But now it's like, okay, I just was on a work trip. Now I'm home. Yeah. Time to be with my daughter sure, and my yeah. family and my wife. Yeah, I you saw know? you out biking yesterday the other day in front of your house with your kids yeah. on your Instagram. Totally. Yeah. It's yeah. like you're a dad, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what? Like, life is all about, like, chapters sure. and evolving mm-hmm. and growing. And I'm totally content and happy yeah. when I'm just hanging with my daughter and right. we're outside teaching her how to ride her bike or whatever yeah. it may be. You know, like... I'm just as happy doing that as I, or more so now right. than I am on a fat powder day on the mountain with the boys, right. you know, or in the backcountry, whatever it may be. So it really is, um, you know, this is all coming to down the pipe for me in my life at a time where I'm 100% ready for it, yeah. embracing it and loving every minute of it. Right. Um, you know, I'm sure like kids that follow what I do that are in their twenties are like, Oh, dad, life, boring, yawn, blah, you know, but like they'll get there, they'll get there. And (laughs) you know, and they're at a different, I remember when I was in their stage of life too, you know, and, and that's the beautiful thing about life is, Mm -hmm. you know, is that it is always changing and it's always evolving and we're, we're, we should be always growing as human beings. I think it's cool to see, sorry, I cut you off. No, go. It's cool to see when you talk about bringing, bringing young people up too, and not skiing, snowboarding, basketball, car racing, whatever it is. Yeah. You, you, if the older generation can guide the younger generation, then the kids who are watching that still get to connect with you, but their inspiration might come from these kids that you're helping out. So you're yeah. actually, you're helping to fuel every mentor and every sports helping to fuel that under that upcoming. Cause it's not just about the people who are younger. It's helping. It's the people who are older, giving them some guidance. Oh yeah. You know, and it's like these 16 year old kids that are on the Whistler free ride team right Dude. now that are just absolutely Crushing. sending it. Jordan's like a little mini gap now. Yeah. And like, <laughs> and they're like, I realize like, Oh, these kids are actually following me. Yeah. And then I reach out to them and, and say like, wow, dude, like so impressed with what you're doing. And they get back to me like, dude, I've been following <laughs> you forever. And yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, I've been a professional skier since you were one years old. Yeah, so right. yeah, it if you've been sense. following skiing your whole life, yeah. you know, I'm, um, so it's, it's pretty funny. Like, you know, there's, there's all this youth that's coming up. And, and when I think about it, I'm like, wow, these kids were like between five years old and zero when I started professionally skiing. And yeah. that puts things in perspective. It's yeah. like, well, I've been doing this a long time, but you know, yeah, the, this generation of kids has grown up seeing what's possible and now they're taking it a step further Dude, and that's part of it. Right. Yeah. It's like, I, I mean, I don't, I follow skiing a bit now and I'm, I didn't get to go up on the last day of Blind Whistler Black Home this year, which is a bummer. But um, I just, you know, you just see now every little clip is like you see somebody doing something awesome all the time. And yeah. just like, we, everyone talks about peak chair and this whole, uh, this Whistler thing. And just like the last like month. It's just been crazy. <laughs> dude, I don't know it's what's bonkers. going on. Speaking of last month, so if anybody's looking, re- watching this two years from now, 2021. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, you know, it's March uh, or it's April now, I guess. But these, these things like, um, uh, and it's been talked about a bunch. We don't know. I'm not going to dwell on it much, but just the progression is crazy. It Not is. Natural. And, yeah. and it's awesome to see. And I'm, I'm so psyched that these kids are, are doing it. I'm scared for them. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you I know, mean, you've been through some stuff where you've, you know, broken legs and backs and whatever yeah, you got it's, on. Yeah, it's dangerous stuff. Right. Um, but at the same time, uh, I'm super psyched to see the talent that's, that's coming up and, and, uh, and pretty cool to be 
a part of their inspiration when yeah. they were growing up. So that's cool. Um, so let's move away from skiing for a bit. But so, yeah. I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. What do you do? Like, I mean, do you, do you try to stay in shape? Do you work? You just ski and just mountain bike and do you do anything else to stay in shape? You go to the gym or anything like that? I, I mean, do. I have a home gym. Oh, cool. um, okay. I used to go to the gym a lot, like sure. religiously. Yeah. Um, I find my time is very limited these days right. with being a father and everything else that I got going on in life. So I, you know, I don't work out as much as I used to. Um, but I, you know, I mountain bike a ton sure. yeah, yeah. and, uh, in the winter it's ski touring all the time. And then, yeah, you know, like I, I hit my garage gym the other day and, and right. I try and get in there, you know, a few times a month kind of thing. Um, do you do things specific? Like you said, you've got like rods in your leg and stuff or you have rods in your leg, right? From your femur. Yeah. Femur snap. And then any other metal, any other things? I got some screws in my ankle. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So do you, are those flare up? Do you have to keep working on that stuff? Or is it kind of, yeah, like- yeah. It's a constant maintenance thing or right. else it just like my leg will lock up on me. Right. Uh, the, I did so much soft tissue damage to my quad, yeah. um, that that's really like, there's like just a lot of scar tissue in that muscle. Right. So, that needs constant maintenance. My ankle, um, you know, I've done some other things in my life to really actually improve my ankle right. um, because I don't really have any cartilage left in it. Uh, yeah. So I'm getting right like arthritis at 39 years old yeah. in my ankle. But um, going vegan uh, actually really oh. has cut all the inflammation out of my body. Right. I used to get like crazy swollen ankles when I fly or go to warm climates sure. or anything. And all that's gone. Um, there's no more inflammation in my body, and that I've I've noticed that my ankle feels good now. It's interesting because I've talked to some nutritionists before on this podcast, and people who you know, especially Mark and, and this guy Christian Manietta, who's like a endurance athlete and a trainer. Um, he's talking about vegan and you know vegan versus meat and stuff like that. And there's always that debate of like performance levels when you're vegan and performance when you're eating you know meats and the proteins and the kind of complete proteins. But when you're a vegan. Uh, it's, is it, it's for health reasons more than it is for like, is it, is it a mix of like health and, uh, like what's the word I'm looking for? Like, um, uh, performance or environmentalism. Yeah. Environmentalism. Yeah. Right. Like, so I will be completely honest. I went vegan for my health first and foremost. Cool. Yeah. Um, but mainly for my health linked to athletic performance. Okay. So all the science that I'm seeing that I would count as legitimate Mm -hmm. is pointing to the fact that like when you're on a plant-based diet, your vessels become elastic. Okay. Like they naturally are when you're first born Okay. Uh, on a heavy meat or animal based diet, uh, your vessels become very rigid. Right. And so when you work out, when you exercise or when you're performing as an athlete, you're trying to get oxygen to your muscles Yeah. and your body, all your vessels able to dilate much more means you can get more oxygen to your muscles, perform okay. better. For sure, yeah. Right? Easy basic science. Yeah. And um and it's and it's hands down like that's the truth. Anyone right. can debate it all they want, <laughs> right. but yeah. that is the science. Yeah. You know, I mean you see the Canadian food guide now, they're like recommending a plant based diet or more right. plant based diet. Right. Um most doctors who know what they're talking about um will also recommend that like the best way to live longer and feel better and look younger and all these things is a plant-based diet. Um, so, you know, my health first and foremost, athletic performance bonus that environmentalism, because I am passionate about protecting the environment. Of course. Um, you know, even though people will call me a hypocrite till they're blue in the face, but whatever, we're all hypocrites. We were all born in this society. (laughs) At least I'm doing something. I'm not just trolling around on the internet, hating on people that are trying to, 
give a crap, you know, but anyway, aside from that, um, at the, and then there, you know, as you become a vegan, I've been vegan for like over a year and a half now. And the whole like animal cruelty thing starts coming in, right? You know, you start to really see how commercial meat is grown and raised and, you know, and so I often tell people who want to debate this with me will often say, well, okay, well I get my meat from, you know, this source and this source. And I'm like, that's great. But like, as a meat eater, are you only eating that, you know, cow that you knew that was raised in Pemberton and grass fed and had a happy life or that pig that had a happy life? Or are you also going to Subway or Burger King or, you know, whatever else it may be, I can't answer you know, that question. like, <laughs> yeah. but you know, I mean, yeah. it's like for sure you're not 100% eating only that happy, good meat, yeah. you know, it's hard to, I think it's, well, I have a thing where if, if you don't call someone on their shit, if you don't have your shit tight. So if you're going to call someone to be a vegan and like you're, or you're going to say to somebody like, you know, if someone's going to try to call you on it, uh, they've got to have their shit in a row behind them yeah yeah like i have some buddies that like i have one buddy that raises his own pigs yeah shoots deer moose and elk which you know i'm not into that like i think there's so few of those animals left like we should probably just let them be Mm -hmm. but whatever you know at the same time he is he's a heavy meat consumer but all of his meat is like animals himself yeah and animals that had a happy existence yeah they didn't live in this tortured, um, you know, right. hormone ingested, right. steroid ingested, and antibiotic ingested existence, mm-hmm. and they and they probably were one second chewing on a blade of grass, and the next second they were dead. So they didn't they didn't get demise. they didn't get trucked to a slaughter yard, right. smell the death, and f- and pump their body full yeah. of fear hormones and right. anxiety hormones then go get slaughtered and then you eat all that fear and anxiety. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, th- it's a real thing, right? Yeah. Like you, your, your commercial meat that ends up in a commercial slaughter yard, these animals know where, what's happening. Their instincts have to have some kind of understanding of what's we going on. We think cows are so stupid, right? They're smart yeah. enough to know that they're about to be slaughtered. Right. And that, what, what would that do to us? We'd be full of fear and anxiety and stress. Our meat would be, wouldn't be tender at all. And we wouldn't be tender. <laughs> we wouldn't be, and even though you can like make a cow like that taste delicious, and they probably do, um, at the same time, their, their meat is full of not only the hormones and, and the, um, you know, the antibiotics and everything else that we pump them full of when they're alive and, yeah. the, and the crappy food that we feed them mm-hmm. that's not part of their natural diet, like, yeah. like other animals, are not GMO, co- GMO corn that's laced with pesticides, whatever it is, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, at the end of the day, you're not eating something that is what you think it is. Mm-hmm. And people will look at like, you know, certain vegan products and, you know, you, as a vegan, you should very l- much limit your, the amount of fake meat you Eat, you yeah, know, I've like, heard those uh, those Beyond Meat burgers. There's so many oils and fats. They're like oh, they're it's, horrible. It's a, specific, for you. it's a specific specific example, I guess. But I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna judge you the way because I mean, I, I probably should fix the weight sometimes. But like, um, I have heard that um, you know there is they're not good for you. No, and I, I like I mean they're so like here's the thing, right? Like we all eat, everyone eats fast food once yeah, in a while, sure. or most people. Yeah, you know it happens. Yeah, um, I have the occasional beyond meat burger right. but i have it knowing that this is not it's a one-time a, thing it's like it's like somebody eating a chocolate bar 
like in that space where it's not good for you, but you have it once in a while. Yeah, yeah. And I know that it's not healthy. I know that it's probably in many ways less healthy than the beef alternative. Right. But it is significantly by like the power of 10 or 20 better for the environment. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So at least, and and I'm not contributing to the the torture and demise of some, you know, helpless sentient being. Right. You know, I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth. I grew up eating three <laughs> meals a day meat. Yeah, like you I was like the, a guy who like goes out hunting and stuff when I first met you. Know, you know, like sure. I was the 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 meat lovers pizza guy. Yeah, you know. Sure. Um, yeah. and my parent, like I didn't when I was a kid, I didn't like vegetables. And I know kid likes the, vegetables. But like when I'm hanging out with my family now, my parents are like, "How did you become the one who's a <laughs> vegan right. in this family?" You know, right. because it's just. Yeah, it was the least likely candidate. Right. I think the one thing that get what what has me is on this thing is like, um, we have to be aware. But I, I, I guess there's the idea of like preaching about it and just trying to live your life and doing the best thing and maybe inform people. But like, I think what happens people they get people get uh, like when there's um, and I'm when they're being attacked or something. Like, yeah, you know, and you're like by hey, like a vegan that's like sure. super preachy or the about opposite it. where someone's like I hunt my own meat so. You, don't shit on me for this. Like, yeah, yeah. I think I think there's we're talking about extremes that on just both don't end. get along. You know what? Um, most people I have this conversation with that it usually, usually not always, but usually starts with them asking me about like what it's like being yeah, vegan right. and have you noticed anything? And so then the conversation kind of goes the way that we've gone here, right? You know, um, and but my my one hundred percent message most of the time is like you do what's right for you. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I wouldn't say that a vegan diet is good for everybody. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not going to tell you that everyone should be a vegan. But I would say that ha- having more of a plant-based diet in your life, yeah. you'll feel better. You'll live longer. You'll perform better. Mm-hmm. It's basic. There's you guys, know, like, there's and it's got, better for the environment. And all these. So sure. like, regardless of whether you want to like go down the road of, of fully going down this path or if you just want to say – I don't give a crap about anything you have to say or, right. or whatever. That's everyone, like each to their down. own, yeah, you know, like sure. I'm doing me, you do you and that's fine. And yeah. I'm not trying to like preach. I'm just explaining like what's working for me yeah. and where I'm at in life. And I wouldn't preach that on anyone, but also the things that I've been talking about in the last five minutes here or whatever, these are the things that like when you go vegan, you really start thinking about. Yeah. It starts to become more conscious front of mind. And it's, um, the, and it's the picking points people want to get at you about. Totally. And I, I, I don't want to get into a point where like you and I are like trying to figure no, out. No, yeah, yeah. But like I, I agree. There's like do your own thing. I think just being conscious and being aware and being humble of what you're doing in your totally. life and eating and stuff. And if you want to eat meat, I mean, I eat meat, but um, I definitely don't eat as much as I used to. But it's I, I, I'm not as aware of. I try to be where it's coming from. But it's not to, I'm not totally aware of where it's coming from, yeah. but like, I I think that, um, just I think if if it works for you, it works for you. And there's yeah, people yeah. like Jordan Peterson and people who eat only meat because they have immune disorder stuff, and it's like they eat meat and water at every meal. Yeah, and that's they're super, on like a keto diet or whatever. Super extreme. Yeah, right? I think the extremes are where we're trying to where we're finding troubles. You know. And yeah, and you know what? Like, everything. Um, like, I, yeah, 100%. I mean, everyone should do their own thing. I think really at the end of the day, what we all have to realize is, you know, it, it's kind of funny, like this whole vaccination debate that's going on right now, <laughs> but like, you know, we live on a planet with 8 billion people, sure, yeah. right? That 
we have to realize that that's the case. Yeah. For sure. You know, this planet is got a finite amount of resources yeah. and our population continues to grow. I'm contributing to it by sure. having children, yeah. you know, but at the end of the day, our society for it to continue to exist, we've got to change certain ways of doing things. Yeah. I think the way we farm is huge. If anyone's got had a chance to see um, Kiss the Ground, a Woody Harrelson uh, seen narrated documentary, okay. it, it really explains like the problems within our farming. I'm not just talking about like meat agriculture. I'm talking about farming Monocrop in general. Monocrop agriculture, like these massive... Yeah. Farming on, on the grand scale and, and the amount it's contributing to the carbon in our atmosphere. Sure, yeah. Tilling our fields is contributing so much carbon to our atmosphere, right? And uh, having a field that has like a ground cover crop on it. Well, what's that What's that thing where they're saying that, I, I saw this yesterday on Rogan's podcast, he's talking about, um, they're saying by 2050, the nutrients in our soil won't be there for these big mo- these well, yeah. farms. And, and then, yeah, what's happening is we're tilling our soil, then all the nutrients blow away. Yeah. Then we plant a crop, there's no nutrients in the soil for the crop. Right. So you have to fertilize the crap out of the soil and then spray the crap out of the, the crop with pesticides right. to get rid of all, whereas if, you go of a, a more biodiverse balance with ground cover. The the ground holds moisture because yeah. it has like plants on it. It absorbs carbon. Yeah. You you actually the ground's more alive. The, there's worms and everything living mm-hmm. in there, and they yeah. contribute to the richness of the soil. The crops grow better. And farmers that have gone the way of like doing a more biodiverse, um, balanced farm and having like ground cover crops. Yeah. Um, so they're planting their crop within like a, a grass layer that has like, you know, many different species of grass and flowers and so on and so forth. They're planting their corn or whatever you want yeah. in that. And they're, they're seeing 10 times the income right. off of their land than a monoculture, like, you know, typically farmed piece of land is, is seeing the reason I'm going to, I went down this this path is really to talk about like fixing our farming practices is first and foremost. And if we fix our farming practices, then cows are no longer the villain. Right. They become part of the whole process where in between when crops are growing, the cows are grazing right. and fertilizing the land sure. and um, and the sheep and all these. So they become a part of the whole balanced ecosystem I think it's- of the farm versus right now where the cows are over here, they're the villain right now, or they're villainized by vegans right. and people like vegans. And then, uh, cause they're horrible for the environment and it takes huge amounts of land to grow them and right. contribute all this, you know, all these reasons. But really at the end of the day, it's like, if we figure out our farming, we're our carbon em- emissions are, way less like i they're they're figuring that a majority of our carbon that we're emitting on the planet right now is Mm. coming from our farming practices wow so if and and that's that's not i'm not talking about cows i'm talking about um tilling fields right you know and the fact that that becomes a carbon bomb instead of a carbon sink right okay you know and so Anyway, without getting too deep in it, Richard Bronson's talking about like mm-hmm. lab-grown meat's going to be the way of the future. Yeah, you know, and so I honestly think that down the road for all the meat eaters out there, when you go to a fast food restaurant, you're going to be getting lab-grown meat. Yeah, meat that never an animal never had to exist. Head. They grow a cow without a head, just like not even. I'm, they I'm just, just grow. Like, they just grow hamburger meat in a petri dish. But they you would know? have to get that from like they'd have to get some kind of like. 
Like they'd have to get they just get source, the cells like a stem cell types whatever it is you yeah. can go to a cow that is that you go to a grass-fed cow farm pull and some. pull some cells off of them and you can grow any kind of meat you want in the right. lab yeah. right this is becoming cheaper and cheaper technology yeah. this is going to be how so the meat eaters of the planet continue to eat their meat in the future yeah, right. and then there will be super bougie meat <laughs> where it's like grass-fed this right. this cow actually existed and it had a good life. Well, yeah. And you're at a steakhouse, and this costs like a hundred dollars. The real cows, not the Kobe beef of cows. It's just yeah, like yeah. The like, and so, yeah. It, I think that is more like I don't honestly think it's realistic to think the whole planet's going to go vegan, right? Um, or plant based. I think it's more realistic to think that we're going to figure out new and different ways to fix our farming practices. Mm. That's going to vastly improve the whole circular system. And yeah. Things like fast food restaurants will just go to lab-grown meat because it'll become so cheap. They won't have to worry about the land and the farmers and the slaughterhouses and all that stuff. Um, And, you know... It's a huge labs. Yeah, there'll be huge (laughs) labs. But, you know, it'll be like... Look at, like, Beyond... I mean, look at Beyond Meat's factory. I'm sure it'll be something similar like that, right? Where you got a bunch of scientists in there with Petri dishes. Like, that's what's going on at Beyond Meat, right? right. And they're, like, concocting (laughs) this, like, plant-based... It's like potato starch and canola oil mainly yeah I think. there's oils for sure in there he has like a bunch of pe- canola oil is horrible for you right oh, and dude. so like it's it's starch and canola like it's not good for you right but it isn't also, it's it's not i mean if you're trying to get away from i'm gonna probably move on to different subjects soon but like yeah yeah but i guess it's just like you take the heart you're trying to take the harm out of what we're what people think we're doing to animals and like the, the, and the planet yeah and because it's just so mass like we're we're producing on mass to make it cheap, which inevitably just creates waste. So if there was, if there was, if I would, I would guess that if all we were doing is producing for what we needed as humans, it's all we were producing, not producing any waste. Like yeah. grocery stores throw so much meat after and stuff. Totally. If we, and I don't know what the scale is, and I'm just putting it out there, but um, if we could produce with only of only what we need, this might be a different conversation. Yeah, yeah. But we're not. We're producing fields and fields to keep the cost down, to keep it, right. to keep it cheap. We're throwing away so much food. I, would, I don't even know what that number is. The waste is huge. But it's got to be astronomical. It is. And so anyway, like, yeah. you know, anyway. as someone who's passionate about the environment, and I get into this conversation a lot, it's it's like, listen, you know, we're all hypocrites. I get it. I'm a hypocrite. Yeah. Call me a hypocrite. That's fine. A, you know, I have a truck. I have a snowmobile. I go helicopter skiing sometimes. Total hypocrite. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm not talking about like everyone you know, changing their life tenfold from where they're at mm-hmm. and needing to completely de- be a different person and only ride their bike to work and right. be vegan and all these sorts of things. I'm talking about like, look at all the ways we're being inefficient yeah, right. in the way we do things yeah. from our farming, from producing our power, whatever it is, you know, yeah. the way we eat, all these sorts of things. If we just work on making our society more efficient, mm-hmm. it's going to solve a massive amount of our issues yeah. in the world. And, you know, and then, I mean, this conversation, again, yeah. we could go on forever. This is a very casual, but yeah, it's this, good. Yeah, this could, like, <laughs> I, I'd take you down the rabbit yeah. hole here, but, like, I'm down with yeah, that, yeah, yeah, like, you know, I mean, fish farms, you know, whatever it is. Oh, you know, so like, I just watched Sea Spirit, Seaspiracy? Yeah, gnarly. Dude, I, I, like, I don't even know. Like, I'm not even sure. I, I don't, I just don't, by default, don't eat a lot of meat. Just, I don't know. I'm not trying to be any. I just don't, by default, eat that much meat. Yeah. But, like, when I watch fishing and I watch, they like, talk about the, the, the shark fish, shark fin thing. It's not, really, it's not even actually a problem. It's not even, like, a, it's a problem. It's not really a, actually a big contributor to this whole problem with fishing. And it's, like, the big commercial fishing. I'm just like, man, like, well, we're 
like we're I just so doing it all wrong. Yeah, and I, I like I said before, I, I think like the fact that we're just we're taking everything we can and then only eating parts of it and throwing the rest of it out. I think to me that's when I watch that. To me, it's this mass um, collection with not enough consumption. Like yeah, we're, yeah. we're collecting way more than we need to just to make it just to make it cheaper and like all the, the cost just gets passed down. The, the, well, the yeah. Failures. And I mean, you know, like you, you watch like the recent David Attenborough documentary or, or whatever it may be. And, and, um, really all we need to do is like kind of what we're doing on land by making natural national parks. Mm-hmm. We need to make the same in the ocean. Is like what 0.1% or something like that is protected. Well, well I think it's more than that. Yeah. It, it's, it's like a dramatic effect. It's like 30% of like, um, you know, areas of the ocean that actually produce life, which is usually coastal areas. Um, so like, but again, 30%, that's not even a lot when you consider like, you it's look at failing grade, dude. You yeah, can't yeah. Get, you can't even finish kindergarten with 30%. Like if we took 30% of BC's coastline and made it protected that you can't fish there, that then the fishermen would actually do much better yeah. because there'd be a place where the fish could actually increase their numbers right. yeah. and the fishermen could go catch them where they're allowed to fish. Mm-hmm. And, everyone would do better. That's the thing is like yeah. we're the way we're doing things is hurting everyone. It's hurting the fishermen because yeah. there's no fish left. It's you know, hard it's, to stop momentum. It's hard, it's to, hard stop to stop the runaway train without yeah. any brakes, you know, but anyway, yeah. super casual conversation. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> but speaking of like science, that kind of stuff, um, I guess like we're, t- I'm totally just going to take us out of this. It's just conversation right now, but it is the important conversation. I'm not a podcast that's going to try to solve these problems. And I think we yeah. all have to be aware of it. So I think I'm not ignoring it, but I think um, the, there's a time and place for these conversations. It needs to be talked about a lot. Totally. But um, I also think that uh, people got to tell jokes and laugh once in a while too. But- I agree 100%. And you know what? Like, like that's the thing, right? Is like we can go down this rabbit hole. It's a little too serious. Um, I'm passionate, but it's important. It's not, like, it's super I'm not, important. I'm not discounting it. For and sure. I'm like mega passionate about this stuff. So yeah. it's easy for me to talk about because I, I consume a lot of the science and data that's going yeah, on sure. and I like to, you know, inform people mm-hmm. from what I've learned, mm-hmm. but at the same time, yeah, it's, it's like we could talk about it all day and I'm not an expert. And, so I would, I don't, I'm just yeah. saying, cause I don't even know. So I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. but like, I guess I guess when I, I guess nutrition comes down to it. So what you were saying, you're vegan because of, you know, athleticism and just obviously it's, it's moved into a bit of like more of like being protective of, of our environment stuff. Um, are, do you do certain things? Uh, do you supplement? Do you do things that help you just um, perform? Do you have to do like, are you doing like Vega or whatever? Like do you do that kind of no, stuff? No, I mean, really, really it's just about being aware of what you're eating. Right. I think, you know, you can be a vegan and eat horribly. Right. You can eat like nothing but like Uh, beyond meat burgers and and, like artificial meats and all this and bread and like that's your diet, you know. But like if you're actually being aware of like, hey, I'm getting enough vitamin B, you know, I'm getting enough vitamin D, I'm getting enough calcium, I'm getting enough iron. And what are what foods do these vitamins exist in? And then. Yes, I can do a little bit of supplements too. Like I, may, I take a liquid vitamin B12, okay, you know, yeah, sure. or like a B complex, and I take liquid vitamin D. But where we live, the sun only comes out a few months of the year, so mm-hmm. vitamin B is necessary. And actually, because of our depleted soil and everything else that's going on in the world, 
they're feeding all these commercial animals vitamin B as well and D to make up for to it. Make up for it. Right. And so you're either, yeah, you can get it through meat because they're supplementing the meat. Mm-hmm. Or if you don't eat meat, you can just take the supplements. Right. You know, um, so it's just being aware. But do you, you know, do things like when you inflammation and stuff, are you taking like, I'd imagine you're not doing like Advil, that kind of stuff, but like uh, on a regular basis, if you're like, what are you doing to keep like your, like, are you taking like, you don't take like, glutamine or like no i don't take any of that stuff yeah right you know really i'm just like a a really balanced good diet um and i feel great um at the end of the day too it's like i don't have any more inflammation and that's because i got dairy out of my life and Uh, for me i've heard that that a ton for me i realized and the science again is there (laughs) and you know here we are still talking about veganism i got an idea to take that all right yeah yeah, yeah, let's get out of this conversation but you know for me and i'm not saying for everyone else But for me, I was experiencing a lot of inflammation in my body. I didn't know why. I got rid of dairy. Inflammation's gone. Right. And then so. Iceman Hoff. I know you've met him. Yeah. You've done things with him and North Face has him around. And I've watched what he does. Oh, yeah. Sure. Do you want? Uh, That'll work. Yeah. Cool. Coast Mountain, everybody. Uh, what's love, up? Sponsor me. Love Coast Mountain. Yeah. Crushing it. They're I'm not, so I'm good not for the spo- community. I'm not sponsored. I love them. They're so good for the community. I hope, I wish they would, the, the, the way they, I've, I've known Angie Oop. for a long time uh, and Kevin for a bit. Oh, nice. I didn't shake it. Oh yeah. Well, it's, it's good. <laughs> I'll mop it up. I just mopped, dude. Um, <laughs> I just sanitized the whole house. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, it smells like bleach in here. But, um, um, so the Iceman stuff. So I, what I was going to get at, and I took us right back into the food thing, um, is, uh, these things that I see, like, you know, I, I tried the Iceman Hoff. I take cold showers once in a while, just like, you know, test myself and I, I'm not into it, but, um, uh, I've seen him do his breath work and these kind of things. And, and I, I know that the North face had like, um, like, a athlete summit yeah, with him. Yeah. And that guy's like blown up, right? Huge. Totally. Um, he's been, he takes people on these crazy runs, but, um, and you, do you practice these things with him like, or not with him, but did you take those things you learned from him? And yeah, I mean, you know what? I, I wouldn't say I'm like a all the time. Sure. Hoffer. Yeah. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> That's good. what I'm coining. That sounds good to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but um, if I'm like about to embark on a big mission, sure. then I like, I will spend the night before I go to sleep, you know, doing some breath work and some meditation yeah. and, and stretching and all this sort of thing. I, you know, for me, Hoff is amazing. He has proven his theory it's crazy but everyone when when they think of iceman hoff they think of the cold yeah and that they his breath work is everyone focuses on the cold the cold is the proof of the breath work working okay you know so it's all about the breath work right you know really if you focus on the breath work that is where the magic is found and that and then all the stuff he's able to do in the cold raising his core temperature after being in an 80 minute ice bath Mm -hmm. you know oxygenating his bloodstream to 110 percent. so they had to rewrite what oxygenated blood is you know these these sorts of things are the proof that the breath work is magic right yeah and and um and he's he's tapped into an ancient primal um thing that we had inside of us before we lived in these constantly heated environments with mm-hmm. these awesome clothes and down jackets that are so and no, amazing. no pressure on our system. No, like, yeah, there's no, like we don't have to deal with cold anymore. Right. Or if we do, it's very rare. Right. Um, 
And so, and so we've become soft mm-hmm. and we've lost contact with our internal oven mm-hmm. as Hoff would say. And really, um, it's about waking up your mitochondria within your cells yeah. and turning on that internal oven mm-hmm. and being able to like tap into this ancient thing that we have within us to be able to like, I'm cold. I'm going to heat myself up. Right. And, and then all the other power that is within that breath work, like, you know, when I did a session with them, we did 20 minutes of breathing and then we did 50 push-ups holding our breath. 50 push-ups for me. 50 is like chaos. Is like at the limit. Dude, that's military. That's like military, like baseline. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not like a Johnny Collinson, you know, like, uh, (laughs) he's crushing it. I love Johnny. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not like, I'm not like ripped like him, you know? So 50 push-ups for me is like, that's big. But after 20 minutes of breathing, I could do 50 push-ups, no problem holding my breath. Wow. You know, I mean, these are the examples of like what you're able to tap into in your own body that Hoff is proving does he, uh, exists. Does he talk about heat shock and heat therapy too? Heat, heat shock proteins, that kind of thing? Like, I know like someone like Laird Hamilton would go into like a sauna like 220 with oven mitts on because everything he's on is he's on like, he's on, a, on a salt bike. Yeah. In, a, in like, and then he does these pool work and stuff. There's also, it seems like there's like this Hoff, I'm not trying to bring, I'm not trying to promote Hoff, but like, do, do you ever think of those, do you ever uh, ever experiment with the heat side of it all, like the hot, cold stuff? Yeah, I do. And I, th- and I think my, belief and this is just my belief i'm not like quoting science here but um what i believe is um you're basically exercising your cells yeah okay right so like contraction and dilation of your cells right so if you're in the in the heat you're dilating your cells Mm -hmm. and then you go into the cold you're contracting them you're basically like going to the gym for all your vessels and cells good way to put it in yeah yeah makes sense and so um people that like in Finland or whatever, or in Russia that love saunas. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because they live in really cold, cold atmospheres, <laughs> yeah. but they're seeing health benefits from the saunas because right. they're cold most of the time. Right. And then they're like superheating their bodies mm-hmm. and then jumping in and out of the ice cold and the heat mm-hmm. is really just like contracting and dilating your cells. Mm-hmm. That's like flushing things out of your body. The heat is like sweating the toxins out. Mm-hmm. You know, the cold is then now washing those toxins off the surface of your, of your skin. If you're jumping in cold water sure. and then contracting your vessels. And it, and I think that's like, I mean, that's what your body needs. Your yeah. body needs like dilation and contraction of cells. It needs stressors to, to make you stronger. Totally. Sure, and then that, sense. that opens everything up. And so even as like, which is basically, you know, like being like what we were talking about being vegan, you know, it's like the, the ability for your body to cells to dilate and for your vessels to dilate so that you can get more oxygen to your muscles. Well, I think like heat cold therapy does a very similar thing. Yeah. And so if you combine the two, then maybe you're tapping into something super crazy. I don't it know. seems like it's an old school thing, like hot, cold, jumping sauna, jump in the snow. Like it seems like it's not like new. No, I think like, ancient people knew a lot more about, um, well, you know, like Western medicine's great for nuts and bolts. Like, like, oh, your femur's broken. We'll slam a rod in there, a couple screws. Yeah. You know, it's like construction work. They're really good at like the heart because the heart's like a pump. They can fix the heart. You know, but they're not really good at preventative medicine, right. and they don't really talk about it. You know, my brother-in-law had open heart surgery, and when he's at the hospital recovering from open heart surgery, they bring him bacon. You know, like there, there's a real disconnect in Western medicine yeah. from like preventative health. 
measures mm-hmm. and like just fixing the nuts and bolts of what's wrong with you. Yeah, I mean, I've been there too. Like when I when I had, when I got when I crashed and I you know broke my neck, I was in a neck brace for six months and I would go to Vancouver. This is a bit bit different, but kind of the same lines. Yeah, I go to Vancouver. It's more like mindset, I guess. I go to Vancouver and they were like, you know, they 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 rebuilt my face and everything else, but. Um, you look great. By yeah, the thanks, way. buddy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thanks, buddy. Cheers. <laughs> um, but I remember, like, the, the doctor was like, "Hey, you know, keep your neck brace on for four months. It'll heal itself. Don't be too stressed, right?" And I'm yeah. like, "I'm like, eh, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm fucked, so I'm like, sure." But then I came up here and I went to the physio. She's like, "You should have had this neck brace off, like, considering your injury, you should have had it off at a certain time to do physio." And because like, now my neck's like a bit, a little bit kinked. <laughs> little yeah, bit. yeah. But it's just because she's like, you were in a neck brace, like, so like this for so long. First of all, it wasn't set right. Yeah. She's like, so you're like, so now you're, everything's shrunk back here for four months. And now right. doing this, she's like, I want you to walk like this all day. I'm like, well, I can't because it hurts. She's like, yeah. you shouldn't have been in this thing for something. You should have had, you know, you shouldn't have been traditional medicine, whatever this. It's just, I think there's experiences that change your perspective. Yeah, yeah. Right? So maybe this doctor that was in Vancouver for me, if he was a, a like an athlete doctor, maybe he might know you got to massage it a bit, right? Yeah. When I come up here, these people like we work with the, the Olympic team and Alpine Canada. They're like, you have to keep some mobility going. Yeah, so there yeah. is this idea of like, sure, science is great and medical doc, medicals are, medical science is great, but also experience within where you live and you, where your space is in life. So, totally, and and you know, again, it's like nuts and bolts. Like they yeah. fixed you up yeah. and sent you on your way. Yeah, you know, but they they didn't like advise you on how you're going to no fully concussion recover. support. Like I, I, my, you know, I need to get some concussion support support. Cause there's nothing like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But and I'm not, I'm not dogging them cause they saved my life. No, this but. is the thing. Like, you know, when you go to school in medicine and, and like, obvi- obviously, you know, we're in a pandemic, big thanks Dude. out to like all the healthcare workers out there. Yeah. Like the hospitals we have in Canada are amazing. Mm-hmm. I feel so fortunate to be able to like break my femur and I go in and they fix me up. You know, there's so many amazing things about Western medicine, but there is a disconnect with preventative medicine, even just health and like, and health, you know, and it's like, how do we prevent ourselves from getting cancer? Mm -hmm. How do we prevent ourselves from getting heart disease? And, you know, and these sorts of things need to be at at the forefront. And then also like, how do you recover fully from an injury and is it just like chill and your bones will heal or is it if you want your bones to heal faster and better i recommend you eat these foods or take a calcium supplement or whatever it may be to like really help your and then also see that physiotherapist that's going to advise you on how to get your range of motion back and all these sorts of things and Every doctor is different and they all are are on a different level of the Mm -hmm. spectrum. But um, a big example of where I think there's a huge disconnect is in cancer treatment. And this is a very sensitive subject. Sure, of course. Yeah. Super casual conversation. Uh, Dude, I'm all over it. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, stop when you want to stop. But yeah. You know, but like cancer cells feed off sugar in a deoxygenated environment, right? And so cancer patients should be on a zero sugar diet and they should be fed alkaline water. Right. You know, so that they can like super oxygen, sure, yeah. and they should be doing Wim Hof sessions yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, like these, this, like this is where, and I'm not gonna, I'm not saying sitting here and saying that I know how to cure cancer <laughs> no. or that that's gonna do a good job, but there is an overwhelming evidence to the fact that like chemotherapy and radiation therapy, it can fix cancer in the short term, mm-hmm. but in a vast majority of people, it comes back years later everywhere in their body and then they're dead well i think you it's know, the, they're not taught they're not told to 
keep on it. You know, like some go like, you know, some will go to a different diet and change their ways, but not everybody is programmed to take that advice and change their, or they're in for chemotherapy and they're being fed Coca-Cola, you know, like, like here, you know, I mean, this is, this is where I think the disconnect is. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I think we need to like science needs and medical science needs to take what Wim Hof is doing and really try and figure out what is he, he do he doing and how could that benefit some of our patients and what is going on with diet and how could that benefit our, some of our patients and what is in our food and, and how is that like, why, why in society are we living in this modern society with our great healthcare and one in two Canadians will get cancer in their life? Yeah, I think it's, I think, and I I think I'm not saying cancer's new. No, no. I think there's something where there's, there is a lot of collaboration, but not between different ideologies of science. Yeah. Yeah. Like natural health versus Western medicine. You want to become a brain, a, brain doctor you got to focus on that for so long to become an expert in that totally but it, it doesn't and and right or wrong probably right that you become an expert there uh but there are other things that be involved in that it's yeah just, it's hard to become an expert and so with and absorb all of it but maybe we need to have like a doctor of chinese medicine talk to a guy who's a brain doctor you know like this is my this yeah, is my point right, it's yeah. like how do we get like all these different facets of health yeah and starting remove egos, remove all these things that we're talking remove about. all the egos and all and everything else and get everyone to, to start communicating with each other mm-hmm. to actually like figure out what is the best thing for each individual person's right. health. And I'm sure that and is I'm, happening in places, but just, it doesn't seem like it's on a grand scale. Yeah. It's and like, I'm not, and I'm not saying that like chemotherapy is the, it does help people. It's fucking, it it, it for does sure. help people. Yeah. And I'm, and it's I'm not, lot. and I'm also not here yeah, stating sure. that I'm a, I, I know everything, Yeah, for sure. you know, but at the same time, I do think that there's something wrong in our society. Yeah. When I watch friends of mine like Chili Tom, like pass away at 40 years old from cancer, yeah. or or you know, Lara Cooney, mm-hmm. or you know, all the Karen all these Hart, other people that I've known in in my life, like cheers to those guys. Cheers like, yeah. Um, there's something wrong. I think is that, and I'm not an expert. I'm just a guy, but there are, in my I guess. There's just, I think the less, there's a lot of ego and a lot of corruption going on and people keep their money in their pockets. And sometimes, especially in medical, especially we see with these vaccine things and stuff. And there's also always somebody trying to poke a hole in something. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we get derailed by these like fights rather than we should just stay on the track and work together. We should be working together. Yeah. Whether, you know, like, yeah, like, yeah, it's like this whole thing with the pandemic, you know, there's like. There's like so many conspiracy theories going on around it. Mm-hmm. There's so, you know, I've had friends that I consider good friends come up to me and be like, Bill Gates is behind the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, let's think about this for a second. Is Bill Gates looks like he's behind the whole thing because he predicted that it was coming. Right. But did he just listen to scientists that have been telling us this all along? Yeah. That, hey, you guys. We're going to have a worldwide pandemic eventually. We should prepare better for this. Yeah. And Bill Gates was like, you guys are scientists. I'm a smart multi-billionaire guy. Yeah. I'm going to listen to you science. and I'm going to go down the road of preparing for this. Whereas all the other governments in the world were like, eh, that's someone else's problem because I'm a politician. I'm only in office for a couple of years and I want to do stuff to get reelected. Yeah. And, and preparing for pandemics is not money well spent. You know, it's, it's not, and I guess I think there is, there are, there is corruption for sure somewhere yeah. on the way. 
Um, and there are people who are in it for money and people aren't, but I think it's hard now because the lines are getting blurred. Yeah. It's hard for people to discern that, but I'm also not saying definitively that I know for 100%. <laughs> no, that, we can't. Sorry. Just so everybody knows. So disclaimer, Ian, yeah. Ian McDosh and I, we're not fucking doctors. Yeah. We don't we know what we're opinions, talking about. We're just spitballing. Here. We're just also like just concerned citizens of our, of our, of our planet to be like, you know, at least well, trying to think. Well, yeah. And, and so like, let's, let's go down the path of thinking like, all right, Bill Gates was way ahead of the game on a pandemic coming yeah. because he listened to scientists. Yeah. What other thing are scientists blowing the horn about warning us about that's happening in the world yeah. is climate change. Yeah. And we're still in this political debate yeah. about whether it's real or not. And whether Politics, it's science, and religion problem. cannot intersect very well in our lives. No, they and don't. They don't intersect at all. And it's cause but, you know, I mean, even the Pope says that climate change is the biggest problem that humanity is facing. You know, he's like, he's like, okay, you know what? Like, I'm going to listen to scientists here because this actually is going to affect our bottom line. Yeah, but you know? the Pope has put some stuff under the rug as well, too, in his life. <laughs> I'm not saying that the Pope is like, you know, anyway. It's not funny, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that, yeah. like, we as a society, we need to start, we need to figure out a way to, like, put science at the forefront of yeah. Yeah, of what we are listening to and and creating our values around political and quit or, being over here get to here yeah and yeah quit. we need we need to like find a way to like come together and you know human beings are are we're really reactionary right mm-hmm. like we don't do anything about any issue until it's too late especially now in our like this yeah, age yeah we we wait until there's a pandemic yeah. before we think about how we should respond to a pandemic yeah. now canada is budgeting a billion dollars and they're going to build this big um lab in toronto to make um shots or uh, yeah. vaccines vaccines <laughs> get it out, get it out. yeah what's that word <laughs> yeah. vaccines you know like and it's like seconds. Oh, well, we couldn't budget the billion dollars before to build this so that we're ready when all the scientists were telling us. And I mean, climate change is the same thing, right? Like we all need to get on board with these major issues that we're facing as a society. There's 8 billion people and growing. Dude, it's like kids chasing a soccer ball. It's like five-year-olds playing soccer. They just follow it in a horde. Wherever the ball goes, they follow it. So it's like, even for example, like something like Clubhouse, this new social media thing, everyone's just, what's Clubhouse is so cool. But it's something new, and we just run from whatever we was over here. We change our direction, run over here. Yeah, we got to make sure we're just okay. What are, what are we running? Why are we running from this? We should be meeting in the middle. Yeah, and know? I and I and I think like you know, as as amazing as the internet is, and social media has a lot of plus sides to it. There's doing it's doing us a lot of damage in society. You know, I think people need to realize that like something like Facebook is is. They make money off of banner ads. Of course, and, man. I mean, I and, those ads once in a while. Yeah, and so <laughs> banner ads make them money by people looking at content. Yeah, People so, aren't, aren't discerning enough of what they're watching. And the, the, Have you seen the, the documentary Social Dilemma? I'm not watching that. It scares me because I've heard a lot about it. Everyone's like, have you seen it? They're always like this, that face you gave me. It's like, you you should this? watch it. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I should. Watch it. I'm probably all, I, I everyone, probably... everyone should watch it because it really paints the picture about like how we're way more geared to looking at fake news and fake information. We'll engage with that because it's more interesting yeah. than real information. You know, like Bill Gates is like a huge conspiracy guy. He's behind. The, he introduced this whole pandemic like coronavirus to the world. 
you can find that on Facebook sure. and a lot of information that backs that up on Facebook mm-hmm. and people are going to engage with that information. Cause it's way more fun than like Bill Gates was listening to scientists and knew that this was going to happen. So he prepared for it. Like, I think do you think it's something like Alec Jones people, like there are things that do become real that we think are conspiracies at some point. I'm not saying you're right or wrong, but like, but there are things that are not, Correct. Like there are conspiracies that are not like we need to be more. Well, aware. there's a lot of conspiracies about aliens. Sure. Oh yes, I love aliens, man. Yeah, yeah. I love aliens. And so, like, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Like, you know, like yeah. I'm not gonna paint the picture that like every conspiracy is wrong. No. We're I, saying I, be, I, people need to use their brain a bit and think, and not just blind. Not just believe them. everything you see. But there are these, like, there's someone tra- sent you a link on on Facebook and you read it and you're like, you take that at face value is like that's fact. You know? Yeah, I think people have a hard time finding support in their lives too. So once they see they they can be part of something, whether it's you know whatever the topic is, I think they they're they're like, oh, I can get support here, so I'm going to go here. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Because it's like, um, I see, you know, I'm disgruntled about something. You know, I got laid off from my job or something like that. I'm disgruntled, so I'm going to think that the government's fucking me over somehow, and then I get support in this group that feels the same way. Totally. And, and it's also like you know, like I've I've quoted a couple documentaries in this conversation, yeah. and they could be somewhat. Documentaries are very biased. You have to understand that when you're watching a documentary, that that documentary was picking every piece of information that they could to back up their yeah. perspective. You know, it's like the game changer, yeah. which was a huge v- go vegan film. Yeah, I'm not sitting here saying that every piece of information in that film is fact and that right. you should take it as so yeah. but here's the film has presented some really interesting ideas yeah dig a little deeper and see what you can find out for yourself yeah and and try and fact check every piece of information that you therefore <laughs> yeah. want to hang your hat yeah. on or if you're not looking at every fact shut up like if you're or not shut up <laughs> which is a great way to if go if you're only being willing to accept one side yeah. shut up yeah yeah that's my opinion and totally I think, like uh you got to be open-minded yeah right so. and you got to have you got to see the world from everyone's perspective and i think open-mindedness is something that humanity as a whole really needs to work on because it's it's it doesn't allow you to be comfortable no being open-minded is like you're you have to be uncomfortable because you have to learn things if you're if if it's like, you have to accept the fact that like you're perspective or point of view might not always be 100% right. Yeah. It's like, if you can't find your favorite hat, you'll never wear a hat again. No, you're going to buy a better hat. It's just, yeah, like, yeah. It's just simple to say, but like, I think people need to be more aware of both sides. And I, I, I watch, I just, I am very, I'm, I'm a middle of the road guy. I try to like be on the, being on the fence is dangerous because you can fall either side, but I feel like, I just think there's too many extremes, you know, politically, science, yeah. if, whatever you want to call there's it. There's like, a there's a lot of extremes out there, and I yeah. think and I think it's yeah, you've got to be open minded enough to like really realize that like there might be bits of information from every side that are actually the fact, mm-hmm. and that the real truth lies somewhere in the middle where we should all end up. Remember when skiing and snowboarding were not friends? Yeah, yeah. And now skiing snowboarding are friends. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is that kind of like. It took yeah. a long time for that to happen. Yeah. A bit of animosity. And but now it seems like we're all good. Well, now like pal surfing's like the hottest what trend in skier, pro skiing. What skier isn't snowboarding? <laughs> I mean. Sage Catabriga Alosa because he thinks it's guy, too trendy. That guy's legit for sure, man. <laughs> he thinks it's too trendy. And I, I, Sage is a close friend. I back, I back his. Yeah. I, I get it. 
Like it is trendy, but for a reason. It's fun as shit. Yeah. It's, and it's super epic. But, but yeah, like skiing and snowboarding used to be enemies and yeah. now we're close friends yeah. because we've realized that, hey, you know it's what? Bullshit. At the end of the day, we're all sliding down. It's slopes. all goofy. It's all goofy. We're all yeah. wearing big pants at one point. We're wearing tight pants. We're all. Yeah. Like we're all doing the same thing yeah, on different sure. pieces of equipment, you know? And, and you know, advantage. for someone who lives in the same country as someone else to have such hate for one another because your views on how the world works are so different find like within these extreme viewpoints this common ground and come together on that and don't focus so much on like these really polarizing viewpoints that each side might have yeah like where is the common ground let's work on what that is and let's get to that place but it's really freaking hard because you don't, um, no one wants to be proven wrong. No one wants to be proven what they think is. I mean, not no one. I'm speaking in generalities here, but in general, I think people don't want to be proven like what they thought was not right. Okay. I think there's a you know, it really just comes down to ego. Uh sure, yep. You know, I mean, like everyone can end this podcast right here because that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like everyone's got a huge ego, yeah. and anything that um, contradicts what they believe. Um, is a shot to their ego because it means that they might not be right. You know? Right. I and mean, I have a hard time being wrong. I definitely do. Like I like get frustrated. So sometimes, do I. But like it's I'm a willing And to everything I've mentioned here in this conversation, yeah. I'm open to the fact that I'm not hundred percent correct about everything. Yeah, for sure. You know, I have my viewpoint. I'm passionate about it. Yeah. But like that doesn't mean that I'm one hundred percent correct and that I won't accept anyone else's viewpoint sure. and where they're coming from. It's like you when know? people fight about like Dodge or Ford it's Tacoma. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like they're they're all you just, vehicles that are going to cost you a lot of money and break down and end yeah. up in the shop. Just let's find you know, something like, in the middle. You know? Like any like people who are like, I'm a Ford guy, I'm a Chevy guy. It's like, well, you know, it doesn't matter what you get; it's going to eventually break, and you're yeah. going to have to take it to the shop. So, you yeah. know, at the end of the day, you know, it's like, is yeah. that really something worth arguing over? You know what, you dude? Know? Hopefully, it's aliens come down and make our vehicles better. Hopefully, one day we get well, aliens come down and like, I'm. I mean, you know, there's. I mean, I think the technology's there. It's for whatever reason, uh, the powers that may be uh, don't want us to really have it yet. That is weird, eh? Like the things about who killed the electric car and like, you know, hempy and, you know, Henry Ford was, there's a video of Henry Ford smacking a hammer off like a hemp made fender, which is bouncing off it. Like it's indestructible almost. Yeah. And that's obviously that back in the day, what's that guy's name who shut down, um, the hemp was really popular. So he, Somehow he shut it down. It's like, nope, it was the demise of it. But like Reagan or someone was like, no, no was, uh, way earlier. Yeah. I can't remember the guy's name. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like associated with pot, right? Yeah. So like this super useful plant yeah. that we could be making so much in our society and would have a much less impact on the climate and yeah. ecosystems. And we could produce so many amazing things from has been villainized because it's associated with weed. Right. But um, this is what I'm talking about. This is like, uh, it was shut down because, uh, what the fuck was the guy's name? It's right here. <laughs> it's right there. Um, but because someone, it, someone it's, had it's the lumber rights. <laughs> it's industrial, uh, like it's combustion engine versus, um, hemp almost. Right. You know, and it was more about the, the business of it. Uh, it wasn't about the, the, the THC or the, the idea of getting high from it. Right. It's all about, it was going to impact, some someone's bottom line. I'll do a I'll do a fact check and I'll put in the notes later. Yeah, yeah. But it's that thing is like you just shut down because there's 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 a there's also 
there's like the idea of left and right or whatever you want to call them or right or wrong or just this side, that side. Yeah. But there was like also influence and people who have power who can just lobby and get things done. That's a big totally. part of our issue too, right? Um, well, but, I mean, you know, I mean, you, but, you look at the poli- the way the political system works in our democracy, yeah. where we all think that our vote is like oh. the, f- the first and foremost thing that counts. And it's like, don't get me wrong, like vote, like that's important. Yeah. That's important. Um, and it does make a difference. But at the end of the day, the fact that like um, corporations and, you know, people of wealth can influence politics huge well, amounts the, uh, the, is is a bat like that that doesn't mean we live in a democracy no. and you know people people often say here we're gonna get political now let's keep this conversation let's just fucking take this keep, thing into the ground dude <laughs> keep this conversation <laughs> yeah, casual yeah but uh you know people say i love it you know that um that you that regulation is bad and that government control over things is bad it's like okay well we vote for our politicians. Right. We don't vote for CEOs of corporations. No. You know, so do we want like these CEOs of corporations to have more power, power than government? Um, and, well, they, and then I mean, they how do, do we, in some respects. I know. And so like, how do we regulate Bezos? from like taking over the world? It's and I'm like, not it's saying like, it's like Anne Rand shit where it's like, this guy's been able to, he's, made his money he's done these moves he's been allowed to whatever the the ins and outs and the the shady business is he, uh, do we need to tell him to give everybody another take his 20 billion dollars give somebody else i mean here's the thing i think capitalism is great yeah i'm a capitalist mm-hmm. i live in a capitalist society yeah there is flaws yeah for sure and i think this is the thing right is people are like that are we live in a capitalist society and that's the way it is. And but like, we're but, married to that. And like, it's awesome. And it's way better than communism or socialism. And it's like, okay, I'll give you that. But understand and recognize that there's flaws in the yeah. system. And how can we make this system better? If we're not, if, and this goes back to what I started, the yeah. conversation is like, <laughs> if we're not growing as individuals oh, yeah. in our lives, if we're not getting out of the way of our ego as we grow as human beings, if we're not evolving as human beings, and trying to learn and become better as we grow, we're taking up too much space on the planet. I like, agree. you know, like you, like if you're not working to be a better human each and every day of your life, what the heck are you doing here? You know? Yeah. And then it goes through the same for our society, our political society. Like if we're not aiming to make capitalism as it it's currently and, de- and democracy, as we currently have it better then what the heck are we doing? Yeah. I mean, you know? th- this whole like defund the police thing. Like, so socialism comes to me is like f- fire department, socialism. Like we support them. Like, totally. They come to us. Police are, um, there are things that like, even just road work is socialism. Like we're, we Sweden taxes. is socialist. I've been there. I hang out with a lot of Swedish people. Oh, yeah. It's not so bad, right? But the, the actual, the way you read socialism isn't really how Sweden no. operates. And no one wants they're, to read the real thing. They're 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 operating like a, a different their own version of socialism and that's why it's so successful. Yeah. You know, like they're not operating like the textbook definition or the dictionary definition of socialism. That's no. not how their country operates. They're they've tweaked it to how it works best. Yeah, because there are it, downfalls to every kind of w- political system. Totally. Yeah. And that's what we should be doing as a society. Like there's elements of communism that could even 
be looked at as like Dude, socialism hey, almost communism is a little bit of socialism involved too right like totally yeah. and you know there's elements there that like could potentially help our society right. but we're so we're brainwashed into like that's bad and this is bad and, oh, and well, i'm no, angry people you know, who like, are at the top don't want it so people like bezos those guys don't want it because they're like i can't well it regulates them, them. Yeah. and and so bezos instead of wor- being worth 180 billion dollars or whatever he's worth he's going to be worth like half that which is still fucking legit for money but <laughs> who needs more money than that like, I don't, I don't, do you, I, I don't know if it's so much like, do you really care about like it really? I think at that point it becomes, again, it's about ego. Yeah. You know, it's like, I want to be now, I want to be the richest person in the world. And it's like, okay, well, Elon Musk just became richer than you through doing things that we, I would consider, I'm not saying Elon Musk is a saint, yeah, no. but he's do he's trying to change the world yeah. and make it a better place. Bezos is putting, Tiny things in big boxes, boxes Dude, with my, a ton of foam, and employing is, nobody. A friend of mine bought a sticker from China on Amazon. Can you set it here because his address doesn't work? Because he got a new address in Pemberton. It's yeah. a sticker that came in a fucking box. Yeah, and it, the shipping was free because he's got Amazon Prime. Yeah, the sticker was ten dollars for the sticker. Shipping's free from China. It came and the there was like whatever the uh, address was. I'm like, how did that, like, it was literally a, bo- a shoebox with a sticker like this big for the back yeah. of this boat. And I'm like, this is, I, I, this I is a know. problem, right? This is, this is, so, immediately, I'm like, this is a problem. So, I mean, this is where regulation would be a good thing. Like, hey, yeah. Bezos, guess what? Like, Put make, in a fucking make your billions of dollars, but like, there's going to be some regulation coming here, but and I, we're going to actually monitor how your business operates so that you're being more efficient, you're being better for the environment, you're not just putting out these ads saying that you're making your delivery trucks electric and that's going to somehow save the world. It's not. So, right. like, let's do some real accountability. And, hey, you know what? Also, you're going to get your ass taxed because the little guy is actually being taxed. You and me are being taxed more than him. Yeah. And I mean, I know we're in Canada and he's in America, sure. but like it it's relative. Mm-hmm. And if you think about that, how stupid is our society that a guy like that is getting taxed? He's in a smaller tax bracket than you and I, or he's at least got so many people and lawyers and everyone working for him to find the loopholes. Yeah, loopholes are huge. So that he can avoid paying tax. And don't, don't get me wrong. What like, I don't get is, is this. Is like I'm all for loopholes. Like I, tr- my accountant, I get my accountant to like do everything she can. Yeah, within legal. To- yeah, like legal. But loophole. it's legal. Yeah. But I mean, when you're yeah. when you're that wealthy, like, is it like for sure they're finding loopholes that aren't necessarily legal? Sure. But they're also not being taxed enough. You know, it's like, yeah. all right, you know what? You're worth 180 billion dollars. Cool. We actually need help pulling our society out of this pandemic. Yeah. Sorry, bud, but you're going to get taxed. What I don't get is this. And I'm going to ask about aliens in a second here, but yeah, I don't, I don't understand how I can buy a sticker for $7 and it comes in a box too big for itself on a truck from China. It's how they're Boat. not making money off it. So it comes, sorry, it comes in a box. In a well, they're just, they're just such a huge, they're probably not making money off they're of not, that. They can't be. It's impossible. But, it doesn't matter because your prime membership you're gonna buy something and else. you're all the other things. And you know that like Amazon during this pandemic, all the airlines have been selling their, their 
planes to Amazon. So so Amazon is now going to become a FedEx and a UPS because they're tired of paying FedEx and UPS and these other entities to ship their products. Uh, So Amazon will now become in the future, their own shipping, their own shipping company, anybody's help, you know, and in some ways that's great. But in other ways, it's like, all right, we're going to continue to get stickers in in giant boxes full of plastic, Pack, dude, there's like, dude, there's fucking bubble wrap. I'm not even joking. like there's bubble wrap, bubble like wrap to keep a sticker from falling apart that you can't recycle. Off, you know, like I mean, th- this is a serious issue, yeah. and I mean, we're now we're living in this society that during the pandemic is like where everyone's shopping from home, and that's going to continue post pandemic. Yeah. You know, like shopping from home has become more and more common. It's, it's going to sad because like we need we need people that have uh, we need storefronts. I get, I agree, and all those things are important, but like. Really, the the damage to the environment from shopping from home has got to be something that's considered and regulated. Think about, like, you know, they talk about packaging. Even just you go to the grocery store and buy something. If you walk in the grocery store and you buy a bag of apples, let's say it's in a bag, but then you order, uh, you don't want to leave your house because you're scared of whatever. And I, I'm on the fence of how scary things are out there right now. But like, you don't want to leave your house, so you order these things and uh, you get a box. You get 10 boxes a day, a bo- two boxes a day, whatever it is, right? Yeah. People get their groceries delivered. And sure, that's one thing, but uh, it's, it's not sustainable. Or these companies that make your prepackaged meals. Dude. Like, like I'm not going to mention the names of these companies. No, don't. But, but I, like, you know, these companies that like, all right, hey, it's so easy. You live a busy life. We'll just make your meal for you and prepackage it. You and just it's cook like, it. all right, you're getting like a little package of like craisins for your salad that comes in plastic and you and it all comes in a in a box that's like a cooler. Yeah. I mean, the amount of waste we're talking about. What's here. worse is the is the gas we use to drive to the grocery store to buy it ourselves or the fucking gas they use to deliver it here in a box. Well, and the, yeah, and I mean, you know, at the end of the day it's like these are the things that in in our free democratic capitalist society, <laughs> yeah. which is great, yeah. everyone deserves to be able to make money. Yeah. But like, let's figure out a way to like regulate a little bit of what's going on, or else it's just a runaway train that we can never control. Yeah. And companies and corporations will always be powerful, more powerful than governments. They'll manipulate elections. They'll un- manipulate politicians, and our illusion of voting for the right person is only as good as the corporations that are funding that person. Yeah. So, you know, you know it's, it, it, these are super casual conversation pieces yeah. Yeah. that yeah. we, but you know, I mean, I, I just know. think one of those things is like people have problems in front of their face. Like for me, like, you know, I get laid off in May. I need to find a job and figure something out. Right. Yeah. That problem to me is more important to right now in my life than it is like what I have to deal with on the outside because totally. like I need to survive and th- and that's so and people have a way worse off like people like so I think the a hard thing we have to deal with too is that people don't have the time or the energy to think what's going on out there because what's in front of them is a mortgage payment's not getting paid yeah. or like the food bills they're not just getting trying paid. to survive and that so you can't the momentum it's going to almost stay there because they have to, they're just going to, I need to get the cheapest thing I can get, whether that's fast food, whether that's whatever, I think the cheapest thing I can get, because right now I need it to be that way. And if it wasn't for the cheap thing, I wouldn't be able to even, you know, have a house or whatever. Yeah. Right? yeah. And this is, this is why, 
this is why like as someone who's passionate about the environment i say like we can do everything in our own personal lives mm -hmm. like reuse your ziploc bags and yeah. recycle and drive less and carpool and all these be eat less meat whatever it is all these things that are great for the environment but at the end of the day it is only going to make so much of a difference what really needs to happen is change from the top down yeah, sure yeah and you know and this and this is where these people that are struggling to just get by still don't have to really think about anything else other than getting by yeah. or their day to day whereas the change is is a monster in the closet coming after everybody and it's yeah like and i mean like you know anyway like i know a lot of people are suffering right now there's a lot of people without work there's a lot, and and those are real issues to them way above and beyond yeah. like the environment or what Jeff Bezos is doing sure. or whatever, you yeah. know, like yeah. they're just trying to get by, but like, let's create a society where just getting by is easier. Right. And all that other stuff that we're talking about is being taken care of because we have but people a, who get give a shit and are not, trying we to have politicians that we've elected that have the ability yeah. that have the ability to regulate yeah. what's going on at least a little bit. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying that like we should hand over all the power to the government, like you know, and we should, and then, but we should, we should. There needs to be like they are the people we vote for, yeah. You know, and so so we're supposed to be the watchdog, but we, we're not allowed to even be that because we're it's been it's got lobbyists and a big business behind it that doesn't allow us to even actually make an impact. Yeah, yeah. Unless, I mean, it, say the whole say voter turnout was a hundred percent. Yeah. How uh, how much is that going to change? I'm not asking you to tell me this answer, but like. How much is that going to change the outcome? Well, I, I, I think really at the end of the day, you know, you can look at the percentages of how people win elections. Yeah. And, you know, it really depends on the demographic that's not voting. Right. And the population of each province and everything else, it's like has different weight to behind it, right? Yeah. And I mean, I really think that the more we get young people to vote because they care about different things mm -hmm. than um, the baby boomers that are at the end of their life. Mm -hmm care about which they're you know and they're the concerned about the pensions and and yeah. you know the these other things and and you know whereas the youth are con concerned about their future sure, the future yeah. of the planet the yeah. future you know and i'm not saying that like that's going to necessarily change everything on its own but i do believe and i have a lot of hope that um as a society you know, we're very short sighted. We live very short lives as human beings and, and we we don't we're not we don't have the ability to look at the world from like a multi generational point no, of it's view. It's impossible for us to do that. I mean it's really hard. You know, but if we do look at it from a multi generational point of view and we as human beings, our generation is raising the next generation, like we care. Yeah. Then they they care that much more. Yeah. And then eventually it'll just become the norm. And, you know, I have really good friends that work in the oil industry mm -hmm. i have yeah, a, me too. i have a cousin that r she runs one of the biggest backhoes at the one of the biggest coal mines in the country yeah you know i have another i have an uncle that is a geologist that works for coal mines and you know You're, i'm not i'm not saying that those people deserve to be unemployed no or that they should be run out of their job yeah. i'm just saying that there was once upon a time where the hudson's bay company was the biggest company on planet earth is <laughs> because they were trading fur yeah and they're now still a big company in canada i think they're out of business aren't they well they're struggling to hang on they might <laughs> be out of business first bad news now but you know 
all I'm saying is that society changes yeah, and right. and in industry changes and just because fossil fuels are big economic drivers right now doesn't mean that they're going to be in the future and yeah. and if we as human beings are are as intelligent as we think we are yeah then we should actually be thinking about like well what's next and having a little bit of for so if you do work in the oil industry great make money for your family but Maybe raise your kid to realize like, hey, this isn't the job that you should have growing up because right. it's a dying industry. Yeah. Right. You know, go into something else. Yeah. Right. Like, what is the future going to look like? Well, the future you know, could be that we have people come from outer space and tell us what's up. Well, they, I, they already have. It's just... I don't uh, understand. Like, um, what I, what I want to say is before... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I'm not going to let you respond. Okay. Is that um, I think conservative... And liberal in Canada, I guess. If you are, I don't see a lot of really wealthy liberals. Right. I feel like there's this there's this time where um, money's going to get to a, money gets to a point where you, the conservative helps you, the conservative mindset that helps you with your money. Right. So if you're escalating through this this chain of you know wealth or whatever it is. Um, I think it's it's when you're liberal when you're uh, roast me I don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> uh, well, I think when you're less when you have less um, economical stature in our society, you're more liberal, and you're more like against what conservatives are doing and what's happening with the money sure. and stuff. But when you have money, you're investing in all these things. Like you're more okay with it because it's more about business than it is about like what what we're trying to do as a society like make things better and environmentally speaking you're probably more yeah and i mean typically conservatives tax less to the rich sure yeah and um you know they help with those sorts of things and this is what i don't get is like some of the some people like a lot of people that are struggling to get by have conservative view views but they but they don't realize that like the richest people in the country are the ones that are getting off without paying tax or just not worrying about the environment and everything else. They're just like, you know. or, yeah, I mean, that's all that stuff's an afterthought yeah. because it's really just about like this short sighted. Let's make as much money as possible right now. The economy, we need it for the economy. You know what the economy needs is our coastal cities to still be above water in a hundred years. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But you know what? Like a lot of people will come at me and say like, Oh, well we're supposed to be underwater by now. It's like no scientist that knew what they're talking about has ever said that we'd be underwater by now, yeah. but in a hundred years in your kids yeah. future, or maybe your kids, kids future, that is a reality that mm-hmm. like Richmond or certain parts of Vancouver or all these other coastal cities around the world. What does that do? What does, when Wall Street's underwater, what does that do to our economy? Well, didn't it happen like when they had that big flood and everything just shut down? It was well, yeah, they had a hurricane, and <laughs> yeah. that shows like yeah. the potential of what's coming. You it's know, so fragile. I mean, like you can't. We 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 live like, and people are like, oh well, the the environment's been changing for for ever for millions Since of years. I'm like, of course it has. Yeah. But modern civilization has grown during a time of environmental stability and that's why us humans have been able to thrive is because our planet's climate has been stable stable, and and it's since the ice age we've been enjoying a stable in atmosphere and environment if that changes economics throw them out the window if you can't grow crops anymore we haven't figured how to make meat in a a lab we're fucked well (laughs) there's so many things right but like 
Anyway, I mean, yeah, do you think? Okay, so. Anyway, it's you know, I mean, like I said, we could talk about this all day. Yeah. I I am passionate about it. Yeah, so, and I can you know, tell you are. And I, I yeah. think I think more people need to be, um, but uh, I think there's just um, there's so much turmoil, and there's always something to change. There's always something to grab your attention in our society. There's always like whether it's a pandemic or just something different coming. Fear mongering, yeah, is it, huge. It, it distracts you, right? Like yeah, even, but even this alien thing, they they announced they announced that they've like what is it nasa and whatever else is like yeah we've made there is proof of aliens right in the middle of the most turmoil tumultuous part of our world yeah where nobody's listening yeah it's like hey let's throw a distraction out there and so and no one even no one really cared they were like oh, a little blip on the thing and then they're like, oh, whatever if that's real that's way more important than anything else like in my opinion because well, of course it's real because we could be in a simulation we could be just being or they could just be watching us or the it's people talk about the pyramids being made by aliens. They the talk holographic about universe. You yeah, know, like, like, you know, it's like all a hologram. And there's we're just, also like a universe beside us right now, like you and I are talking, but like maybe a second ahead or a second behind. Well, yeah, I mean, things. you know, there's some really cool things going on with quantum physics and how mm-hmm. quantum physics, and I'm not like a religious person. I, I do consider myself a spiritual person, but yeah. how quantum physics and like I, certain ideas of religion are start, starting to coincide. Right. And it's like, you know, it's, it's like if you go, if you look at something on a microscopic level and you go small enough, it no longer exists in a place. It's everywhere. Right. You know, so if you take a piece of string yeah. and you cut it in half and then you cut it in half and you cut it in half and you cut it in half, you think, oh, well, you just keep going on infinitely. Yeah. Well, it gets to a size, a small enough size where it now long, no longer has a location. Right. It doesn't exist anywhere. <laughs> it is everywhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That is some trippy shit, you know, <laughs> yeah, it is. because yeah. that, what is that? Yeah. Is that the, is that God? Is that the divine? Is right. that the energy that connects everything? What right. is dark matter? Right. You know what? You know, what all the these, bu- yeah. there's a lot of, a lot of things that we think we know everything as human beings. You know what? Like we have to, to, to keep ourselves sane. If we didn't have, if we had, if we had no, but do you like, know how a smartphone works? Do you know yeah, how an iPhone works? I mean, there's gold in there somewhere. I'm sure. I don't know how it works. We right. think we're smart because we have all this stuff and these, these amazing technologies. We're only as smart as the scientists or the few select people that have got us to where we are. Yeah. You know, we're, we're not that smart. Like collectively as a human race, we're quite stupid. Well, not compared to what could be possible. Like, exactly. Right. And, and you know, Alien, the existence of aliens. Yeah, I mean they've been around since the dawn of humanity. Are they you know? like they they've been like we're, I think you know we're either like something that they're just monitoring until we get on their level, mm-hmm. and then they'll be like, okay, we can now like show you guys that we exist and that we can communicate with you. But like right now you're still like one degree of separation from a cave person right. or an ape. Yeah, you know like that's I look at. Like our super advanced modern society, we're like compared to an alien or what we, an idea of aliens and what the technology they possess. Yeah. We're like, we're like just crawled out of the cave. Well, there's you know? this, there's this theory that, um, humans at some point were interfered with along the way to allow us to accelerate to where we are now. Yes. In the, in the time we've, in the time semi. I'm not going to say that I think that that's 100% definitively true, but I think theory. it's a possibility. Possibility. And then there's also this guy, Bob Lazar, who's talked about. He's, he's, Lazar he's, is, yeah. Yeah. yeah so his, he talks about how uh, they dug up, like they fucking. Why would up. the FBI continue to fuck with Lazar? <laughs> 
if he w- didn't have anything. And all he did was put a fucking jet engine in a Volkswagen. They put him in, and then they put him into his. In their, in, Do you guys? Is, so if you guys don't know about Bob Lazar, yeah, he was a rocket engineer. Yeah, and um, the government, the U.S. government, um, hired him to come look at some UFO spaceships that had crash landed, and they wanted to figure out the technology of how these UFO spaceships were propelled. They want him to reverse like, engineer it. So they, they wanted, they wanted to figure out how these, how these spaceships did what they did because, and they've, they basically operated on an anti-grav or anti-matter. Yeah. There's no propulsion. It's just, they just move gravity around. drive, yeah. anti-matter gravity drive. So <laughs> it's this whole idea, this you know that idea that ex- exists in quantum physics right now is that anti-matter is a thing. Yeah. Like basically you get down to the smallest thing it, where yeah. it doesn't have a location and anymore. And then you go, negative and there's actually matter in the negative and that might be the matter that that we consider that matters the dark matter yeah that they say has to exist in the universe for the universe to be real yeah the, the energy that's in between you and i right now that we can't see way or anything but it, it's there and it has mass yeah so that is the antimatter. this these ufo machines according to lazar yeah not according to me yeah um <laughs> were propelled by this antimatter. That was the energy that was driving it. Gravity drive. And so basically they could the the UFO aircraft could bend space and time yeah. to move through it. Yeah. And um they were trying to reverse engineer this, like Ryan said, to yeah. to you know, come up with ways to like, you know, obviously the US wanted to use it as a military technology or whatever it may be. But um and so Lazar kind of like told the world about it. And here, here's a guy that has like no real reason to tell the world about it. Yeah, and he's super reluctant too. Like he has to be. There's a they have to they have to drag it out of him. And he's saying like, what's that element five? Element one fifteen. One fifteen. Yeah, which Tom DeLong apparently bought it. Right. So from so Blink One Eight Two, that guy, he's had like this thing called To the Stars. It's, a, yeah, it's yeah. an academy started. Apparently, he bought this piece. Or really? Has, yeah. That Lazar stole. <laughs> So <laughs> again, so there's like this other part that the, the zero, the antimatter gravity drive system works off of this element 115, which doesn't exist on our periodic yeah. table, but it's a synthetic element that has been developed by these alien creatures. Yeah. Um, and Lazar stole a little bit of it. Yeah. And that's why the FBI raids his house like every six months. They tapped his wife. He found out his wife was cheating on him because they tapped his wife's wire. And they yeah, were like, yeah. hey, we got to tell you something here. Not only are we tapping your wife, we discovered there's some issues with your wife. Yeah. And so Lazar now lives in this existence where the FBI raids him every few months. Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks he's a kook yeah. and that he's a liar and all this. And he's just sitting there going... I just wanted to tell the care. world because I thought the world should know yeah. that this was going on. Yeah. I didn't benefit from it in any way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. but he did steal some of the Element 115. Yeah, and, and he, uh, I guess, sold it to the Blink 182 guy. I don't know. If that, I don't know that the train of paperwork there. <laughs> right. Okay. But uh, he talks about how um, there was like an art. They were doing an archaeological dig somewhere, and they dug up one of these spaceships that right. was like. It's been buried for as long as these civilizations are uncovering, like right. mines, whatever it is, right? Yeah. So then the, the the idea is like, well, how long has it been there for, and how long has this technology been around? Which makes it even beyond what we thought being futuristic technology. It's almost like historical technology that's been here. But then they're like, they've been hiding it. Some of the things that we do in our in our society now, 
has benefited from the discovery of these these yeah, ancient yeah. ships and stuff. Do you know who Eric von Deinken is? No. So he's a Swiss dude. Yeah. That grew up quite religious. Okay. But then realized that all religious texts, if you just take out the word angel and God and yeah. replace those words with extraterrestrial, yeah, that um, it all Check makes sense. <laughs> all these stories make sense. You know, so yeah, we're deep. But um and I've got to go soon cuz yeah. I got shit, to, shit do. to do. Yeah. But um he's you know, you, you look at like and I don't know the Bible, so yeah, there's a you know, there's people that are going to be able to like totally tear me apart here. That's but cool. like there's like the story of like um you know, the angels came down from heaven and took Moses or not even Moses. I can't remember who it was, but they baptized him in the river. Sounds like alienation. And this is like the whole reason people get baptized, right? right? Is because like he was baptized and then he was taken up to God, a city in the sky. And, um, you know, depicted all these things that he saw yeah. in the city in the sky. Yeah. So the aliens came down from the heavens <laughs> exactly. and they bathed him yeah. because they didn't want his, they, his, disease and germs and everything on their spaceship they took him up to the city in the sky their spaceship and he met god which is basically the leader of the aliens dude so anyway and then like you can go back into all this like ancient uh ruins like the ones in bolivia and peru Mm -hmm. where it's just impossible there's no technology that exists today Mm -hmm. to build what they built 80 to 100 ton blocks fit together with laser precision Mm. cut by something that we don't know moved in a way that modern technology still can't move. Like it is in my mind impossible Mm -hmm. that aliens didn't have some sort of influence over ancient human Mm -hmm. and aren't still around in some shape or form. There is a theory that, uh, pyramids and stuff like that, that, um, that if you look at erosion theory and the way that they've eroded over time, the that, Sphinx. Yeah, it's way older than if you look at the way it's eroded. Yeah, yeah. When they predicted now, so it, it was almost. It, well, it, the, the the thing is, is like you have to consider that a lot of modern modern archaeologists are religious, and oh, so okay. if 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 they have to rewrite the history books, they have to rewrite everything. Everything and religion doesn't really allow All for lies that. They told us, yeah. So yeah, the Sphinx is at least eleven thousand years old minimum. Oh, yeah, right. and they say it's thirty five hundred years old. Yeah, you know the face on the Sphinx is from the um not the emperor. What's the Egyptian pharaoh? Right, the pharaoh yeah, yeah. at the time. Yeah, he just the Sphinx originally had a lion face, and he recarved it with yeah. his face on it just right. because he was an egotistical maniac. Mm-hmm, right. They had lot they they disconnected from what the original foundation of what their society was built on. Okay. But there's also a lot of you evidence. You know more than I do, for sure. There's also, also a lot also. of evidence. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going deep right now. Yeah, that's cool. There's also a lot of evidence that there's a vault underneath the Sphinx. Oh. Now, the Egyptian government won't let archaeologists study the the Sphinx or the pyramids anymore. Oh, wow. Why? Because find if, if we found out the true secrets of what's going on there, it rewrites, rewrites their every, religion as well. You books, yeah. You know? Yeah. So... I'm not saying that religion is bad. I'm not saying no, no. that I'm not saying that I'm just saying that like the entities that grabbed these stories, these ancient stories and took them on and made religions around them, 
they're in the money they're in the business of making money right and controlling and yeah. brainwashing right. whereas the fund the, the actual foundation of where these stories came from yeah. there might be a lot of truth there but right. anyway there's a vault under the sphinx yeah that these last guys that were able to study the sphinx they were doing scans of the ground yeah, underneath yeah. and they they realized that there's a room under the sphinx that nobody's excavated and, they can't get and there's a lot of ancient texts and stories that say that that might be the whole history of humanity underneath the Sphinx. Wow. This is pre and it's not religious. Pre, pre Great Flood. So I'm I'm a firm believer that the Great Flood happened. That's in right. all the ancient religious texts. Right. Um, you know, and uh, humanity. What there was an advanced version of humanity sure. where Atlantis existed and all these things before the flood. And right. so in my mind, what happened? Okay, well Atlantis was the the capital of ancient modern civilization right this civilization didn't have smartphones but they were advanced in their ability to connect with the earth's energy and understand the stars and the, the moon, stars yeah. and they were probably in communication with extraterrestrials and all these sorts of things i hope so that they thought were gods right. or angels um but an an asteroid hit the north american ice sheet yeah yeah and caused the great flood yeah and then history started over again. Now you look at in Turkey. There's a site called Gobekli Tepe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gobekli Tepe is the oldest advanced civilization that we have dug up thus far. It has to be at least eleven thousand years old. Right. What's near Gobekli Tepe is Mount Eden. Right. So is the Garden of Eden Mount Eden? Right. Was that where humanity found solace after the great flood right. and then restarted humanity? They built Gobekli Tepe Damn, dude. and then they left Gobekli Tepe yeah. to go back to the pyramids once the floodwaters subsided right. and they buried Gobekli Tepe on purpose. You know, there's some really, these are things that modern archaeologists aren't actually talking about right. because it, they, it doesn't make sense to their current narrative of what our human history is. Right. They've glossed over it. Like now we can't, if we go back, it's going to blow us all apart. We can't. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it, and we'd have to re re rewrite all these religious texts and you know, it just, it just, it would, it's ego. It's ego, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So anyway, I, I truly believe that there's certain governments in the world that are fully aware of, you know, the alien influence. Yeah, I agree. There is a strong possibility that the missing link in our evolution came from their DNA. Yeah. You know, like how did we all of a sudden, you know, especially as white men, yeah. We apparently we all came from Africa, but apparently we migrated into Europe where it was really cold. Yeah. And so we became white. Yeah. So that we would absorb more vitamin D from the sun. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. I totally. But why did we all lose our fur? So yeah. some people will say, well, because we started wearing clothes. But there's tribes in the Amazon and in Africa who don't, don't wear clothes and they don't have fur. Right. They have they're less furry than you and I. Yeah, you know you're a hairy guy, right? Yeah, I got a hairy chest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> I don't know. There's there's questions there. Right. You know, I'm well, not yeah. saying you know, like I'm not saying that like I'm not telling. I'm, I, you're not giving a definitive answer, but yeah. there are things that are just like it's the un. It's why would we evolve if if the theory of evolution is correct, which I believe it is for most species on Earth, mm -hmm. Darwin's theory of evolution. If that's correct, then why would we evolve to lose our fur and have to start wearing clothes? Well, there is that theory that evolution is there, but then there was that one, this the, uh, there was an interjection 
yeah to accelerate our as as human beings as we say as as it's the um as people i guess yeah uh, accelerated into what we are now there was yeah, a yeah. point where they came and said oh this isn't going fast enough we need to get these people going for or get whatever's going first and we yeah yeah but it's also in conjunction with evolution yeah that's a theory that i've heard quite and were they just using us to mine all the gold off the planet sure i don't know or whatever i or don't just, know like just, you know maybe our and our planet is a battery for what they're doing we're just pumping out shit we're doing i mean these are all or we're just a big science experiment you know yeah. there was the whole there in the in the bible there's the whole war of the gods you mm -hmm. know like the then you know it's like it could all be very well there's like extraterrestrials fighting in the sky you know there's that ancient city in india i believe it's in india that they've all the bodies that they've excavated are full of radiation and this is pointing to the evidence that it was a nuclear blast thousands of years ago wow. that decimated that city. This is way before we ever discovered nuclear technology. Oh yeah. Like and, thousands and thousands you know, of years. And I mean, like, I'm just, I'm just like giving little tidbits of, sure. there's a lot more evidence as to like why they think this. Right. But like, anyway, I'm just suggesting that there's so much we don't know. And we can't dismiss anything really. And really. and like have an open mind. Yeah, that you know, like that. it comes down to just being open-minded. Quit fucking picking extreme sides. Quit picking extreme sides. I'm not gonna say for sure that aliens created us or that aliens exist. See, it's a possibility. Yeah, it's and a, it's a disclaimer that there's two skiers sitting here talking about politics and history and science <laughs> and and and, uh, and aliens. That I mean, we're just expressing ideas, and I think um, people need to do that more often. Yeah, I That's think there's it. a lot. I think there's a lot of unexplained shit yeah. in human history yeah. that people, people are people are just like, oh, whatever. I don't want to address day to day it. lives, but like it means something. It's important because yeah. it's where we came from. It's how we got here, yeah. and it might help us figure out the direction we need to head to go forward yeah. to fix this mess that yeah. we're in. Yeah, I agree. And there's definitely like, you know, you use your history to learn from the front to the learn to fix the future, but it's not always, I mean, history repeats itself because people make the same mistakes. Totally. And it's like, and we can't fall back on that, but I think sometimes we just accept that sometimes. Yeah. But 100%. Anyway, Ian, man, I, I, I really appreciate you talking <laughs> to me, man. It was fucking awesome, dude. Thank, Thank you. you for My pleasure. I know we got a bit wild there. Um, and I'll, um, I just, <sighs> dude, Thank you. It was this is a fucking awesome conversation. So thank you. Um, yeah, yeah, it was good. So uh, this is Ian McIntosh, guy's a legend, uh, and uh, you can find him on social media. Ian Mac or what? How, what do you? What's your Instagram? Instagram's just Ian McIntosh. McIntosh is M C I N T O S H. Yeah. So Macintosh like the Apple, not the computer. Okay. Right. Nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And you can find him online. You can see him skiing wherever. Um. You can find him at TGR Films. Check out TGR stuff. Whatever I do. You can find me on YouTube. Uh. In, uh. Spotify. Where am I? Also, my iTunes. Um. And uh, yeah, if you want to subscribe, whatever you want to do, you don't have to. If you listen, if you made it this far, fuck yeah, thank you. <laughs> if you haven't, well then, fuck you. Uh, well, you actually missed like the best part of the conversation yeah, exactly. at the end. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, man, I appreciate it. And we'll do this again for sure because that was super rad. So we'll, Thanks, when dude. you get time again, um, all the best. Whatever you're doing next, I hope you uh, do really well in your um, 
when you're uh, guy testing there. Thanks. Yeah. And all the best with being a dad. I'm sure you're a great dad. Thank you, dude. So, and uh, yeah, next conversation, let's uh, let's get weirder. I'm down, dude. I'll let's do some like, more let's let's start the next conversation where we, we finish this yeah, one off. Sure. I'll watch this podcast and I'll be like, hey, and we'll, we'll talk. Well, again. Yeah, we can leave out all the environmental vegan yeah. shit. Sure, yeah, for sure. And Politics. just go straight to the the real fun stuff. I'm into which it. Is where we just were leaving off. I'm into so. it. And if you get a chance, go skiing, go outside, oh. enjoy your time, uh, and uh, live in the moment. Yeah, like, you know, as like I think in society we. We, we're just always looking for what's next. We're always like, can't wait for our lunch break or get off work or the weekend or whatever, but find a way each and every day yeah. to live your life in the moment, whether it's just going out for a walk with your dog or your kid or yeah. whatever it may be and forget about all the BS of our society because there's a lot to think about. Yeah, take some time to calm down and be more casual, as I say. Yeah, yeah. Right, man. Like as, as uncasual as this conversation <laughs> was, Dude, let's, it's one of the best. let's just like get tranquilo yeah. and, uh, and try and try and just you know yeah. block out all the bs because there's a lot floating around the world yeah man well thanks buddy appreciate it thank you talk soon all right see ya peace